0: Welcome to the latest episode of the Copcast podcast on Cop Left. Joining me to talk all things Liverpool tonight are David Dunning. How are you doing, Dave? Doing good, thanks, Neil. How's yourself? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Sort of uh, get getting over the the slight frustration from the weekend, but uh, all good. It'll be okay. <laughs> we'll get there. And alongside alongside Dave is Neil Devlin. How are you doing, Neil?
1: I'm good. I can't complain for a change, maybe.
0: <laughs> Ooh, well that's a turn up for the books. So uh, we hope you've got something to complain about. So we've got plenty to talk about. And yeah, so tonight we're probably we're gonna go through uh, the game against Southampton at the weekend. Somewhat frustrating, but um, all in all quite a good performance, we think. Uh, we're gonna have a look ahead to Sunderland at the weekend, and we're also gonna touch on how the league's kind of shaping up at the moment so we'll start with the game away at St Mary's after the international break a tough place to go they're a very well organised team Liverpool played well you thought the goal was going to come but it never did so Dave, what were your thoughts on the game?
2: Yeah, their two centre-halves are quite good, I think (laughs) that's the first thing I would say yeah, two really good centre-halves. I think the four centre-halves probably stole the show. I think Maddox and Lovren were quite good as well. But, yeah, frustrating. I thought we made probably five chances that you would have said would have stuck at least two of them away. You know, Firmino's and Klein's chance stick out as two that I thought were in the net, but they weren't. Um, Coutinho had a good chance. that he, uh, I think the past week could have been a bit better from, from Firmino. And then the keeper makes a good save from Mane. And and Mane doesn't, for some reason, quite get on the end of a set piece where he's right in the middle of the goal, six yards out, which I thought was strange. I, I don't know what happened. He seemed to duck out of it. So I think combined with them not having a significant effort on goal, never mind on target, I think take the score line aside. It's a really, really good away performance. Good side-track, Hampton set up well, organised, disciplined, um, as I said, two center half were great, but I think that's something we're we're gonna have to get get used to teams setting up like that, and now, not just doing it when they come to anfield, but doing it whenever we go away to their place as well. And do you um, think do you think they really did that they just set up to
0: stifle uh, um, with with no kind of intention or uh, to attack, or do you think that it was it was more more a, a symptom of um, Liverpool's play
2: and pushing them back? Well, I don't know how much the absence of Tadic did to what Prell's game plan was going to be. I'm sure it had an impact, but I I, I just don't think they showed any adventure at all. And the sounds coming out from the manager afterwards, um, he seemed very pleased with the point that he got. He was so very, th- very complimentary, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He seemed very happy with the point that, that he got throughout the game. And I think they, you know, they they earned it defending really well they also had a, a slice of luck in the chances that we didn't take i think it points to, to us probably not being clinical enough on southampton i'm surprised he didn't start long because i was expecting if they were going to play like that they would have had some pace and energy you know been able to run the channels and, and make it difficult for us playing out in the back but um i don't know whether he, he threw austin in there thinking that well if we get maybe one or two good chances He's far more likely to stick it away than than Long would be. I suppose there's an argument for both. But on, on Austin being clinical, I think we needed to be we needed to be more clinical in that game. We made clear-cut chances and need to score a couple of them. So that was the frustrating thing. But overall, I think a really good performance. The most encouraging thing was we didn't panic. Um, we kept calm, we kept creating good chances, particularly in the moving into the last half hour when they did seem to start the tower. I think that's when our better chances did come. So, you know, I, I don't think that we'll, we'll miss far in that way too often. So I think it's a good sign for things moving forward. We touched on a couple of kind of major things there. And I suppose the, you know, the biggest one is
0: that um, if Firmino takes that chance or if Mane takes the chance in the first half, maybe doesn't take that extra touch and the ball goes in the net. Neil, we're, we're talking about a different game and perhaps a perfectly wide performance. Do you agree with that?
1: I'm kind of quandary with it. I think there's two ways you can look at the game. You can look at it in isolation and say, yeah, Southampton away, Southampton are a good team, look where they're at in the league, good performances. In isolation, on paper, if you look at your fixtures list and you got a draw, a draw away at Southampton, that's a good result. But then you've got to also look at it through the lens of how the game played out. And I think in the way that the game played out, we, we can't really be happy with the point. Yeah, it's a point, we got a point, we didn't lose. Whereas if you bring it back to Burnley earlier in the season, we lost that type of game. But at the same time, the way the game played out, the chances we had, the way Southampton seemed to tire towards the end, the game was there to be taken. We should have won it. And that's not to say that our performance was bad either. Our performance was good, but we should have won it. And I don't necessarily think that we should be happy with the point. And it's not to be confused with, hey, Liverpool aren't very good or that was a bad performance or just being negative for the sake of it. But if you sat and you watched the game... And how it happened, there was chances created, we should have won the game. And I think a, cu- a couple of things seem to contribute to it. For me, I don't think Coutinho should have started because he didn't really seem to get any joy in the in the game until the end when Southampton were retiring. Were but a lot of people are saying, yeah, but he'd been, try- he'd been flying around the world and all that, etc. But then, that's on the manager, he shouldn't have played him, I don't think. Just when I talk about the manager, I think the subs were were far, far too late. Like mm, Origi's, yeah. Origi's coming on there in the ninetieth minute. Origi should be coming on eightieth minute at most. Like Sturridge didn't come on to what eighty second, eighty third. That's it's far too late. There's no point bringing on a player for thirty seconds, two minutes, or whatever. He's not gonna he's not gonna get up and running in that time, and you're decreasing your chances of that player making an impact. And it was probably clear that Southampton were going to tire. We are a fitter team. We're probably the fittest team in the league. Us and Spurs perhaps fittest teams in the league so we knew, we know towards the end of games they're going to tire so I think that we should have planned for that and Origi storage, whatever should have came on in the 70th minute even 65, 70 something just to change it up because you could see that it wasn't really working
0: I can I can be with you there on the um, on the storage call I thought I think it was about 77, 78 when certainly when he was being ready to come on uh, maybe it took a little later it took a little longer for him to get on I'm not sure but yeah, I, I thought I thought he could have been given a shot last, last twenty on on the Coutinho call. Do you think that uh, Lallana's absence kind of forced Klopp's hand in that respect, or if, if not forced his hand, pushed him into in the, into the way of, of trying to, to to get Coutinho in, into the game and and you know basically use him? Do you think had Lallana been fed, Coutinho may have started on the bench?
1: Probably played a part, but if you look at it, everyone's saying and. Right, so Rinaldum is the like-for-like the like switch for Lallana. So he was coming in anyway. So just maybe tweak the system a bit. And again, it's an away game and you're expecting the team to to sit back that you're playing against. And who else do you want on but your best finish, finisher? So just kind of tweak the system. Bring Sturridge in for Coutinho. Don't don't play the same sort of system that we've been playing all along. The fluid, front three, false nine, whatever you want to call it. And we made enough chances that I know... In my mind, well, I'm pretty confident that Sturridge would have scored one of those chances, whether it's the Klein one or the Firmino one. Like he, he scores goals out of completely nothing, and if a team teams are going to be playing tight against us, those chances are going to be at a premium. And we're well known for the fact that we do miss a lot of chances. It seems to be that we have four or 5 guilt gilt-edged chances before we score anything. It was evident in like the Watford game, so I think. It, the smart play to me would have been to play storage, but I'm, I'm no manager. It's just my sort of opinion. I just think that would have been the way to go for it. And then Coutinho, if if you need, bring him on. If you don't, then that would have been him saved, save his legs for the rest. You know what I mean? I think it, that approach to me is sort of win-win.
0: Definitely see. I mean, I can definitely see your argument. There's a there's a, a a train of thought that that I mean there was a basically a train of thought before the game that Coutinho wouldn't start. And that um, if we were going to see him, it would be from the bench. And and although he started, and to be fair, I think he played quite well. He for me he did sort of seem to tire around around the seventy minute mark. And you know I would personally have, have maybe gone Coutinho for storage at, at that point. Um, Dave, what about you? Do you have any thoughts on on the lineup on on any changes um, or, or any comeback on on what Neil said
2: there? I thought we missed Lalana. We missed his ability to go and fill the gap whenever Firmino, Mane, Coutinho drop deep. Chan doesn't he doesn't have that industry and that dynamism in the middle of the park and. Yeah, it's yeah,
0: just, just not as sprightly
2: as he? he's just. I mean,
0: he, he he does his own thing, but he, it's different in that way. And that he doesn't have that sort of energy that I don't know if the energy is the wrong word, but you know what I mean. That that dynamism, that kind of springs he's
1: Spinning a player, he's not making space out sort of Yeah, he's t- just, taking he's it on the half turn and, and linking
0: the play and and moving it quickly between you know midfield and, and the and the front three.
2: Yeah, I would I would probably say it's probably Lallana's his quick feet and his mobility. And you're right, he he can play in the half turn and he, he can duck in between players, he can beat a man, whereas Chan's just not that type of player. I'm not saying he's a bad player, it's he's just that's just, just not different. his game. Yeah, it's just not his game. And I think we missed that. And I think there's the argument for for putting you know, if you're gonna start continuing, maybe putting him deep in a game like that and and bring Sturridge in that way, if it's for Chan, if it's for Ronaldo, whatever mm-hmm. the manager might think. And there's possibly an argument for that to happen. If not from the start, then, you know, I was watching the game and I was thinking myself at 65, you know, the the obvious change for me was was charm for Sturridge and to drop Coutinho because I think by that stage of the game, he'd already started to drop very deep in the last the last third of the game and you could see him picking it up, you know, maybe 10 yards from the halfway line. He was almost level with Henderson on a couple of occasions.
1: And he was getting joy as well because... because and he, you're right, tiring. you're right. and I think.
2: Yeah, that's where he, I think that's where he makes the that's where he picks the ball up, and makes the Firmino chance from as well. But when he does that, Chan, there was only one real obvious um, time for me when he went and filled that gap was when he had that chance and he, he kind of screwed it wide. Do you remember he burst? He yeah. burst into the area and he, and he screwed it wide. But that was the only time I really saw him going and and filling that gap. That Coutinho was left, and I think that's what Lalana is so good at. And once he gets the ball in that position, with his with his quick feet and his ability to turn him out, he can he can create a chance out of nothing. So for me, I think that maybe points to one gap we do have in in our squad, and it is do we have someone to come in and do what Lalana can do? And I don't want to I don't want to be be seen as that I am now Adam Lalana's biggest fan, and he is the. The, the, second. the irre- irreplaceable. Um, irre- irreplaceable <laughs> at the second coming, but he gives us something in that midfield three that no other player can give us. And I'm just wondering how much of effect, how much of an effect does that have when you take him out of the side? And how do we then best deal with that?
1: I think uh, arguably you have to change the system when you take Lalan out because if he makes the system work and if he's not there, then you got to think about a different system because the other players aren't, as you say, given what he's given. So that's what I'm saying. When I think Sturridge in or Rigian or whatever is the better option there, because you can't play your game plan without all the cogs in place.
0: Sure, sure. I mean, I mean, but as as we touched on, I mean, it, it sort of sort of did work in in the sense that we um, we dominated the game and they only produced one shot on target, I think, or, uh, or one shot on goal, I think, in the, in the whole game it was Charlie Austin Setter which went wide. So I mean, it, it worked in that sense and. As we've mentioned before, we did actually create the the guilt-ed chances to win. We we just didn't put them away. So on those guilt-ed chances, whose miss was worse? For Minos as a a friend of the pod and contributor of the pod, who wants me to ask, how the hell did he miss? Uh, Or was it Klein's? Gotta be Klein.
1: I'm still not over the Klein one.
0: Yeah, for me, I I agree on that one. For me, he sees it all the way and he's got the pretty much... Over half the goal they headed into, where Foster's not getting anywhere near it. Uh, for me, it, it was that one. What about you,
2: Dave? What were, you, what were your feelings on him? i uh, yeah, I think Klein. I think he doesn't. He does. He doesn't even need to really head the ball. He just needs to direct it. He doesn't need to put any power into it. You know, I think to be fair to him, he, he almost did everything right. He sent it back the way it came. He sent it down into the ground. But you have to be sure, and you have to be putting that. You know. You don't need to aim right for the corner you need to be putting that two, three yards inside the post and the keeper still has no chance. For Minos, see, to be fair, it's pretty bad too. You know, it, I think it's hard to pick between the two. And sometimes in that situation, I'm a fan of the Alan Shearer approach to goal scoring, where you just stick the laces right into it. And as long as you miss the keeper, it goes into the net. Whereas he tried? It didn't he try that same finish against Watford, and he got it even more wrong than he got that one. Yeah, one he wasn't that. The, yeah, he tried. <laughs> he, yeah, he hit it wide. He, he sort of hit the. It came off the wrong part of his foot. Yeah, I don't know if he's yeah. been practicing that so much in the training ground that it's just become like muscle memory. Where yeah. well, here's this chance, I'm just go, I'm just going to do that. But it's almost, it looked like almost his version of a toe punt. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's decision making when you get yourself in that position. As in, like, we we'll talked about Sturridge, but being a natural goal scorer, and that's that Sturridge. Whether he would have scored it or not, he would have chosen the right way to try and score it. It
1: at least he'd have made the, the right
2: decision. Yeah, he'd have made the right decision and how he was going to finish that chance. His right that, foot?
0: You sure? <laughs> I, I would even. No,
2: I don't know. I would even think in that in that position with the space that Firmino had, he maybe would have just opened his body up and side-footed it into the, in the bottom corner. But- yeah, it's a, it's a funny one
0: because if you look at sort of look at the slow mo, obviously he doesn't have a slow mo. You know, it's a split second decision. But Foster's sort of come out, and he's come out in such a way that, like, Firmino could roll that in the near post, but he's he's sort of so intent on going going to the far post. But I think Foster's done quite well in, in, in blocking that off, but yeah, he just he just
2: stabs it. Kind of, and you think it's going in? It's just plumb wide, like. Yeah, I think the fact that Fraser Foster is absolutely massive probably doesn't help. Like yeah. he's, a, a, he's a giant, like six foot eight or something. And yeah, he's, he's massive, like, and yeah. he's not even like one of those six foot eight bean poles. He's like, he's like almost as broad as six foot eight, eight as like well. He's built it's like a fridge like in the, yeah, he's huge. guy he's Um So that probably didn't help if he was coming at me and I had the ball 10 yards out, I'd probably shit them as well. So, <laughs> even still, it's a, it's a poor finish. It's a poor finish. But, you know, we you score one of those and the game, totally changes. And then we do get that space. And that, I think, is the frustrating thing. I mean, that's the thing. There were a couple.
0: That was. I mean, I mentioned the Manny one in the first half where he just has that extra touch. I think that, you know, if his first touch is slightly better, he doesn't need the second one and he gets his shot away. Uh, there's Coutinho's where he's where he's put off in the second half, or he, no, he's not actually put off. He, no. you think, you think he is, but he kicks it with his standing foot on his on his other foot and trips himself up, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. I don't think it's a great pass from Firmino as well. I think he. It's always, a
2: little, it's a little too wide rather than being in front of him, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little too much into his feet rather than being ahead of him. If he plays yeah. that ahead of him, he takes the defender out of the game. Yeah, so, and he can just sort of stride onto it and hit it with his right foot. like Exactly. And he'll do what he does and he'll go to goal far post and he'll just fucking hammer it into the near post and there's 1-0. But, well... I mean, there, there, there are
0: a few, though, aren't there? I mean, they're... they're I mean, they're probably... Probably you could fill a, fill a hand if you counted it on your fingers. Five good
2: chances in that game. Probably maybe three absolute clear-cut ones. I <laughs> think Madib, I think Up's miss is brutal as well, to be honest. He doesn't even get in the end of that. Well, what does I, I've i watched that back about eight times and I
0: still can't really work out what he... Does he close his eyes? Does he just not die for it because he's scared of getting cleaned out by Foster? Does he misjudge it? I mean,
2: what happens there? I have no idea. Neil, any
0: ideas?
1: No. Well, I was going to say, well, he is a defender, but then, sure, aren't I hammer and claim for his miss? So I can't really go with that approach, can I? Well, surely yeah. nobody
2: the team's he- Surely nobody in the team heads more yeah. balls than you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Defenders are are sort especially of
1: especially after Crystal Palace
2: scored there didn't first it? for that. Yeah, harder yeah. chance. Uh, yeah, and for his goal record for Schalke was was pretty impressive too, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean he's he's handy from a set piece. Like I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's
0: a he's decent in the box. He's
1: also but liable uh, to run, run the pitch and score as well. <laughs> yeah, a I mean there
0: was a stat that I a stat I heard. Was it I think it was I think it was on the AI under pressure pod. But it was um that Matty had more touches in the box than Coutinho in the game. And he's just sort of regularly averaging a large number of touches in the box, far more than you know, most centre backs would and whatever. One one more touch and it probably would have been three points. Yeah, that's it. The final the the the, the vital touch like he, he didn't get, he sort of seemed to pull out of it.
2: That, it's just that being clinical. being I, clinical. With yeah, you, I said
1: it. earlier on Twitter, I was having a conversation with Sam McGuire and a couple other people, and I was saying we, we didn't create enough chances, and Sam had said back, we did create chances, but what I mean by that is we didn't create enough chances for us, because if you look at us, how many chances do we need normally to score? So there's a difference between how many chances we need and how many chances Chelsea need. Chelsea, for example... Only need two clear cut chances and I'll score two goals. A team like Dortmund, for example, tonight had six six shots on target and six goals. That's we're not like that. We need glaring misses and we need we need to sort of warm up. It's kind of a weird process. And it was the same in thirteen fourteen as well. We were if we scored every chance that we made, we'd be making double figures every single game. Yeah,
0: you're absolutely right. I mean, we could have had four before we before we scored against Watford. Was it so Watford? Yeah, it was, Watford. So that would have been 10. But, but I mean, you, you you don't score every chance. But I think it's a good point you make there about how many you need to score the first goal.
2: Yeah. Now, do what, do you think this Is this the price you pay for playing with the front three that we do and not having a, a natural goal score amongst those front three? Like, like a Costa or a Sturridge or an Aguero? Yeah.
1: Well, this is my point about... I, that's why I think we should have changed the game plan a wee bit for this game, because I thought that chances might be at a bit of a premium, so I think that's why Sturridge was the smarter option, because he's gonna score with the small, the, the less, the less chances you get. He, he will score, he'll score the minimal ones. He scores out of nothing, really. Firmino can do that as well, but it tends to be a real worldly or whatever. Sturridge does it with regular abundance, like, do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, he is he is the most, obviously the most natural number nine out of all of them. And hes I suppose he's bound to get his chance at, at some point. But 70 minutes, 77 minutes, he comes on and he makes he makes that chance. The first thing he does, basically, is he glides around the pitch, moves across it, plays the ball, a couple of one-twos, ends up with it on the left-hand corner of the box and stands up the perfect cross for Klein. Who yeah. comes in and puts it puts it wide? And I know nearly wanted to you wanted to say something about the fullbacks on on the day. Like, so go ahead.
1: Yeah, just just as again as a, a selection thing or a changing of the system. I think that game was made for Moreno. Even,
2: yeah, exactly.
1: even if we're not starting, if you could see by half-time that Milner's not offering you that width and that piece and behind that Moreno will be offering you. You could see Matip spent the most of his time. In the Southampton half, there was clearly no danger of a counter attack happening because Southampton just were not interested. So, I think we need to, in a situation like that, we need to bring on someone like Moreno because Moreno's going to give you that more attacking threat, and he's going to go in behind and he he he'll stand the ball up the way Sturridge stands, stands the ball up. He'll make that run that Sturridge makes, and if he makes that, if he's on and Sturridge is on at the same time, he's standing that ball up and it's Sturridge in the middle who's banging it in instead of Klein.
0: Yeah, good point. I mean, I uh, I thought Marino could definitely have been introduced in the in the second half. There. What about you, Dave? Well, what did you make of Milner's performance? I mean, the fullbacks in general. I again, I I thought that they didn't quite offer enough in the final third in a game like that where you need them to to be the difference when you need them to make that killer pass across the box when you need them to find a man. I think for me, Klein's very often too deliberate. In his attempt to cross the ball, pass the ball across the box, and therefore he either gives it away or gives the defender a chance to come back, or he will sort of hit it behind the player because he's not doesn't have the aggression to, to put it out there in front of the player. Milner, for me, it wasn't one of his wasn't one of his better games. Uh, I don't think either were tested going back the way. What did you
2: make of them, and uh, what did you think of? Uh, Need shout for Moreno. I think definitely a shout for Moreno, and I think. That might solve the problem as well we were talking about earlier on, where there's the option of maybe moving Milner into the midfield three and allowing him to break into the box. So there's a number of ways you could have looked at it. And I think he would have given us that pace. He would have definitely given us that unpredictability factor, as Klein maybe sometimes doesn't. But in general, in football, I think we ask an awful lot of fullbacks these days. We want them to be... Paolo Valdini, and we want them to be Luis Figo all at the same time because that's what a world-class fullback is these days. And with Klein, yeah, I take your point. He, he can sometimes be a bit deliberate and predictable, but I think what you get for that is, we talk about Austin's chance not being a great chance. I think Klein defends it brilliantly, absolutely brilliantly. He's tight to him. He's touch tight to him. He's between him and the goal. He gets up at the same time and makes it almost impossible for Austin to get a clean header. In fact, he does make it impossible for Austin to get a clean header away. So, you know, I think we ask a lot of, of fullbacks because they're expected to be almost wingers inside rights, outside rights, as well as, as do the, the defensive side of things. And fortunately for the likes of midfield players, where you you've got two of them in there, and you can pick one of the you can pick one and the other, so it's it's a shout. And I think it would be great if we had a uh, maybe an, another option there, another Moreno on, on the right hand side. But again, is that is that what he wants to do? It's it's difficult. It's, it's, I think it's a really difficult one. You know, do they show so little going forward? If we don't have the likes of Klein and Milner playing there, are they a part of stifling their seldom counterattacks? I don't know.
0: I mean, undoubtedly they, they they do play their role. I mean, that's 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 a very good point. They're bound to, and I, and I totally agree with you on on Klein in the sense that it you know it, it's very very difficult because you know what you're going to get, and you it's a good it's a good standard what you get all the time, and it's just perhaps in that, that final instant and you're absolutely right you do want them to do an awful lot but it's just that that final little extra bit of quality in the, in the final third and how do you upgrade to get that and not lose the defensive solid, solidity and and the you know the reliability and stuff that you get from Klein I mean he's, he's I think he's probably played the most minutes of of any player since he signed I, I would have thought that, that that would be the case. So yeah, I mean it, it's a difficult one, Moreno. I think yeah, I think Neil's had a had a great point. He, the last thing the Southampton defense on sixty minutes when they're absolutely shattered wants to think about is what well, wants to see is Moreno herring down hering down the wing at them. Um. So yeah, interesting. So anyone got anything else on the game? Any other thoughts, Neil? You you got some some final thoughts?
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's more so on the on the fan base in general. It's kind of a. I kind of touched on it earlier when I was saying that that I wasn't really happy with the result. And I seen an, I seen an article that came out today. I'm not saying it's from or anything. No free plugs on here. You want to want to plug? people <laughs> you, you got to pay us. <laughs> I accept uh, checks, credit cards, everything. But uh, just just talking about the fume after the game, I didn't see any fume. It's kind of this. We were talking about this before the pod. There's kind of this weird sort of thing that's kind of crept into our fan base where we always have to be at odds with each other about something and i i had said it, that i didn't think it was a good performance and I, well i didn't not that it wasn't a good that it wasn't a good result for us because i was taking it from the from the view that people have been saying we're going to win the league and there's some people that are so sure that we're going to win the league and they can't be to- told otherwise that we're going to win the league and they they just put it on faith it's kind of like 13 14 where the, nobody could see any other way and when someone just maybe plants a wee seed of doubt or says something minor to the point of, well, if we want want to win the league, we should be winning that game. Then it's it's as if you've gone off the rails. You're you're a lunatic. You've gone. Oh, Liverpool are terrible. But that's not what we're saying. Like like we're on here and we're dissecting it. and We're saying lots of negative things along with lots of positive things, and the negative things are they're a lot smaller than they were. Six, twelve, eighteen months ago, I think we can all agree with that. It's kind. Of, it's kind of weird. You can't say it. You can't say that Liverpool should win a game without it being seen as you're not, you're not part of the group, or you're not, uh, you're not being positive enough. If you if you say that, that means that you think that Liverpool are terrible. Do you get what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's either one or the other. You can't.
1: You yeah, can't just... you can't. And <laughs> it seems it seems to stem from the the, the Rodgers years where you had to always be at odds with somebody about something else or you had to be in constant disagreement about something. You had to be fighting about something. And it's, it's like we're not the Liverpool fan base unless we're fighting with each other. <laughs> are, are you guys getting that online? Like The the article that I read about it, and there was a couple other people saying about it too, seemed to blow it up into this thing, but I didn't see any few... I, all I seen was sort of a constructive criticism look at it or a, a little bit of dose of reality. Do you know? I haven't
0: really seen any... Um... Any fume, I have to say. Now, I've, I've not been massively on Twitter since Saturday, but I've been on it here and there, but I haven't seen too much about
2: it. Dave, you, any anyone cracking up on your timeline? I haven't seen I haven't seen much, to be honest. I, I'd, I'd, I'd love to say the majority of people that I interact with are, are reasonable, level-headed human beings, but if I'm being perfectly honest, that, <laughs> that isn't the case. But, but I haven't seen an awful lot. What what Neil said about the divide in the fan base, I, Neil, I think this goes back even before Rod, the Rodgers era. I think back this, to Rafa. I think it goes back to Rafa. I agree because never has I don't think the club's ever been as polarized as it was then, and there was two like really it was fractured then right down the middle, and it was almost 50-50. Yep. By the um, end, it was it was pretty desperate. Like was it was and and you know I think people in my opinion people fail to, to realize the bigger picture and what was going on in the background then with the owners with the state the club was in yeah. um with with his being undermined constantly by his his employers basically and and that's that's not an environment for anybody to work in anyway i then we had then we had hodgson and ironically that's that's when everybody was able to unite. They united us against them. Yeah. United, united us <laughs> as one fan base. Get that fucker out. You are so shit. And then Kenny brought a, a, a bit of optimism afterwards. But see, to be honest, because a lot of populi- people I spoke to, that war bit then too. And they were thinking, you know, this is nostalgia. This isn't the right thing to do. This isn't progressive. It's not moving the club forward. And other people wanted to be more patient. So, you know, this goes back you know, ten years, um, and I don't think we've ever ever recovered from that fully. And I'm hoping that now this this era will help almost heal that wound that was created by the Hex and Gillette debacle. Because I don't think the I'm gonna I don't think the club's ever really been the same since, to be honest. And and those years should have been looked back upon as as a, a golden era for the club and we should have been able to build on that uh we never have fully recovered as a as a fan base or a club and I, I i wonder is is that because of what that did and and the the performances and the the league finishes that came after that i i don't i don't know it would be difficult without speaking to a lot of people but i'm hoping that now you know i think i think to be fair everybody is is on board with with clock with with the Decisions, the majority of the decisions that the owners have made. And, you know, if this is going to be a, a, a period of longevity with one manager that everyone can get behind, I think, you know, we might go some way to getting back to the stage we were. But, but really,
1: that's the thing. Like, I can imagine a scenario where we win the league and you still have a certain group of fans that will turn around and say to another group of fans, ah, uh, see, we said we win the league and you said we wouldn't. And there'll still be that sort of discourse and that <laughs> Do you know what I mean? How long before how long after the league win would it take for them to turn around and say and go, Oh, you said we wouldn't win the league? That means I'm superior. It's like a weird superiority but is it, complex is, thing.
0: Isn't that just kind of sort of the the dynamics of, of a fanatic of a fanatical group? Which is essentially what what of course all football fans are by definition. They're fanatics. And isn't that just in a way, what naturally happens, you know, one one group ends up saying we're we're more fanatical than you are, we're better than you are, we're the true fans that would... in that kind of a way. Do you, do you see what I'm getting at?
1: Yeah, I, see, I think. Do, do, but would it be we... the same at other clubs? I don't know. I'm not, I'm asking the question. I don't know because I don't support another club. But is it the same? That's that's what I I wonder. Is it a unique thing to us, or is it a wider football thing as you're proposing it to be?
0: I don't know. Be, that would be an interesting one. I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously, fans of other clubs are, are just as, uh, you know, just as passionate about their team as, as we are about Liverpool. So I'd imagine the, the kind of thing does. But I, I know what you're getting at, that there is that, that kind of one-upmanship. But so the thing is, Dave, what you're saying is right as well. I, like. I mean, we've been through the most traumatic period, I think, on the, on the pitch anyway and in the boardroom. Of, of the club's history certainly since going back to like the mid 60s so we're still sort of coming out the other side of that and maybe maybe you know the t- a title win or a couple of sustained title challenges would really go a long way towards rebuilding the, the faith that the fan base has has to be as one but in the meantime or even while that's happening there has to be there has to be room for reasoned debate and people being critical and 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 co- the right questions being asked. Wouldn't you agree?
2: I think this boils down to even as basic a thing as what player do you like, what player do you not like, and there's fans that will schoolboy you know, stuff really isn't it? <laughs> and so, and there's fans that will have an opinion on a player, and no matter how much they improve or how well they perform, they will maintain this perception that they have of, of an individual. I think Lalana is starting now to and Lalana has had to perform immensely well, like unbelievably well, to turn the majority of people around. Laverne's and you don't full hear me again I'm just
1: and, thinking and, full <laughs> and and Lawrence
2: that Lovren's the next great example. Lovren's the great example of you know how how much has he improved? And and people are giving him dues for, you know, I think the one the one game he he did make a howler in was the palace one. And he went he went up the other end and just banged one in, you know, 15 minutes later, if it even was that. So it shows the character of the guy, too. And but there's still a lot of people. And I don't think there's anybody in the and this is the thing, I don't think there's anybody in the fence. I think you're either he's shit or actually he's starting to look like a decent player. Jordan Henderson, another one. There's still people out there saying Henderson isn't good enough um, because that was what their original opinion was on the player. This applies to every aspect of a football club. When, as you say, people are as fanatical as they are. So it's not going to go away ever, I don't think. And I think with the, the access we have these days, the social media we have, the media in general, we we see more to be able to argue about and disagree with. Oh, hundred Hundred
0: percent. There's always something. I mean, with with Twitter, with so well, I say social media, but particularly Twitter, because I mean, you get you get your news on there straight away, and there's so much football content on there. I mean, if you're looking for something to whinge about, moan about, argue about, fight about, you can find
2: it there pretty pretty quickly. Like. And we're so reactive; we never sit back and wait for the wait for the all the, the full story back. or the the, the facts to actually emerge. You know, we see we see something in less than two hundred and forty characters. We go ah, fucking this and that and the other two hundred and forty characters. It's
1: like the the 140
2: that one hundred forty, one hundred forty. One hundred characters. You can't even read the fucking TV guide. One hundred and forty characters. No, so no, how's no. what's going on in a news story? and then we and and you're right and and
0: you know the other point that that sort of jumps out from from what everyone's been saying from what both you've been saying is that it it has to be one or the other it's either he's shite or he's great or we're going to win the um, league
1: or we're going to get we're the going to
0: win the league we're, yeah, we're going to we're going to finish nowhere we're going to you know finish outside the top 4 there's, there's there doesn't seem to be there doesn't seem to be room for a spectrum of reasoned kind of debate and reasoned argument and differences of opinion within a within a framework, if if you see what I'm getting at. So
2: absolutely. And to you know what it this is really interesting actually. I am starting to see this with Manchester United supporters that I know now, where they are starting to split over what's going on at the minute. Like the I Rooney know situation.
1: I, there's a lot of, there's a lot in the Rooney camp and there's a lot outside the Rooney camp. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah the, really, the really situation, the the Mourinho decision, the form that they're in at the minute, we're fine, we'll turn it around. We are in an absolute mess. You know, there's absolutely no middle ground. There's no, let's give it six months. It's either we are absolutely fucked, we need to lose something quickly, or it's all fine, don't worry, ropes, tinted glasses. So I, I don't know. Maybe maybe this does happen in other clubs, Neil. Maybe, yeah. we just maybe we just don't see it because we don't pay enough attention. Um, We're too fanatically know. obsessed with our own club. Yeah, I don't know if I pay enough attention, but do you know what? It's a really interesting conversation to have with some people. I mean, because Arsenal have it too with the Wenger outcast right awesome. The oh, great point. desperate for it. Great point. Yeah. Um, some of them fucking ever want to get rid of it for ten years. Half, yeah. half, the, half the team's booing them off the fucking pitch at halftime if they're not winning by three goals or more so
1: booing them off after halftime at us were
2: they not yeah 1-8 it was 1-8 yeah. like, like <laughs> a worldly free kick the first game of the, it was the first game of the season so yeah I, do you know what That's a, I've, I've enjoyed that conversation I'd probably say that it is very much like this at other clubs
0: yeah but I, I think I would agree with you as well though that I think the social media kind of has ramped it up into the into this kind of for and against and instant take a side now and, and don't change your mind kind of don't allow yourself to to absorb the facts and and that kind of thing. I think it's probably hardened the positions. But anyway, sure, we'll move on from from where we chat about the, the fanaticism of football fans. Who would have thunk it? <laughs>
1: I'm <It's> to <not like laughs> to make a podcast about it. Maybe
0: that's, that's it, <laughs> and uh, we shall. Look ahead to the coming weekend's fixture against Sunderland. And that's at Anfield. And that is what we hope will be another very unhappy return for one David Moyes. So, um, Sunderland, they're on a slight revival after having made the worst start to a Premier League season ever by any club. However, they have recorded now back-to-back victories. Victor won a one-time scourge of the Reds certainly in a, in a West Brom shirt when he capitalised on Colo Toure's error in 13-14 and possibly even scored against uh, for Everton, who knows don't pay much attention to them um, will be back and he scored a couple of goals Defoe's banged in a couple as well in the last couple of games Aren't we just the team to sort of puncture their uh, their mini revival and, and hit them for about four or five? Nate, what do you think?
1: I hope so. <laughs> well, Sunderland are going after that 11 points that Derby got, aren't they? They're only really, really one <laughs> win away now. <laughs>
0: That's it, they're going all out.
1: <laughs> I hope so, but I, I don't like, I was saying to you before we started, I don't like this, uh, like we were had this notion that Moyes never wins against us. <laughs> at Anfield and stuff like that when we start talking like that is when we seem to always lose, it's always like this team has never never scored against Liverpool in like a hundred years and then they'll come and they'll bang in three, do you know what I mean We've I kind of got used to that over the past couple of years it's kind of hard to shake that feeling away this is
0: me. true but having said that he has only, I think we checked before, he has only ever taken one point at Anfield in his many visits Two. so yeah. I mean
1: I find oh, it Two, two, yeah.
0: Two <laughs> okay, two, two, two points over the years. So, how how do you see it going? And in all honesty, now, do you think you know this will be one where we can get back on track, or do we have anything to sort of worry about from a, from a, a resurgent Sunderland?
1: If, if Sunderland come and they try to play with the way Southampton played against us, we will destroy them because they just don't have the defence for it. Southampton get away with that because they've got disciplined, quality players. They mightn't be of same quality of the top echelons of the league, but the, the, they are a quality of player that can can see through a result. They don't have somebody like Van Dijk at the back. That that Sunderland team in the first few weeks of the season was shocking. That is the worst team I've ever seen in the league, ever without a doubt. And they could still finish the worst team in the league ever. So if they turn up to play in that way, we I I would imagine we will. We will hammer them, my only reservation if they come at us and maybe <laughs> I was saying to you earlier, Jimmy and Defoe always seems to do something to ruin my weekend, and I just hope it's not this weekend because if they maybe come at us a wee bit, i don't I don't know if if we won't expect it. do you know what I mean if they come, if they come, yeah, element
0: well, of surprise
1: yeah if they if they came at us and then if we don't score for the first while, will they grow into it a wee bit? And then the, you bring that in along with the fact that I, I don't think Lallana's playing, is he? I think he's out for a couple of games, isn't he? I haven't heard,
0: but... Um, I think but he's out
1: if for two or three weeks. So You say so, I'll, I'll
0: take your word for it, the
1: yeah. The system might need to change slightly. But yeah, if we so played... Do
0: you think yes. this is one then on that? And you mentioned Sturridge earlier, and if Lallana's out again, do you think this is one that maybe Sturridge comes in for? Lower, uh, kind of, lower team in the table at home?
1: Yeah. You'd imagine, wouldn't you? But that's yeah. what would a, what would a goal do for Serge's confidence at the minute too? Because he's not banging them in as as he was. Has he got a goal in the league yet? I'm not sure. He's not still
0: not scoring in the league. I mean, he's he's yeah. firing them in in the cups and and he's scoring for England, but still hasn't got off the mark in the league yet. If he's going so, to I mean,
1: score against somebody, it should be Sunderland, shouldn't it? <laughs> abso- absolutely. It's just so he can do the Redmi rig- arms in front of Moyes. I'd be up for. I'd up for be up for maybe playing Moreno, as I said earlier in this game. Sort of, sort of try out this. This would be an ideal time, maybe, to try out our different tactics because there's maybe a bit less risk going on there. So maybe we can be prepared at a later stage for a team that when we come up against who will maybe defend a wee bit more rigidly. So I'd like to, see, I'd like to see us play around maybe a bit with it. Maybe drop Coutinho in as Dave said into into midfield. Take Chan out of there. Might, might be worth the experiment. And then I don't think Sunderland are of the quality that if it's not working, we can't maybe fix it halfway through the game.
0: Yeah, sure. So a little bit of tinkering, something a bit different. Maybe get Moreno on with his pace, give them something to worry about and then and try storage.
1: I, I would hope maybe Jack s- Rodwell starts because if he starts, Sunderland are definitely going to lose. If you see that Jack Rod- Rodwell is starting, put your house on them losing. He's lost something like 37 games in a row that he started in. <laughs> That's definitely an unwanted record, like isn't it? So look out, look out for that one. If he starts, get your get your bets in get get on paddy power, Skybet whatever. <laughs> Put it all on.
0: Put your eyes on it. Well, you, you've heard it here fo- first, folks. I mean, if if Rodwell's name is on the starting lineup, get your get your money on Liverpool. What do you make of it, Dave? How do you see it going? Would you would you tinker?
2: Um, yeah, thoughts on on the Sunderland? I said it a few weeks ago, and I think there's something to be said for playing teams when they've had a bad run of form and you know, you, if, if luck's on your side you could potentially go through an entire season playing teams when they're not at it, or the majority of them, so Sunderland four weeks ago is a different game than Sunderland next week but in saying that I, I just they they are going to be shitting themselves coming to Anfield let's be honest
1: Moisey's going to be, be shitting after- himself. Yeah, they're
2: all, from the top down, they are going to be shitting themselves. Every supporter's going to be shitting themselves. Every player's going to be shitting themselves. They are most definitely the worst football team in that league. The worst football team in that league. And there is absolutely no way we are not going to create enough chances to score enough goals to win the game. And there's always the threat. You're right, there's always the threat of... Defoe and oh and be. there is big big, big. horrible thought isn't there that's lingering in the back of your mind that because, he's going to fucking score and it's because there's previous it's because it's embedded in there somewhere and if he loves a goal against Liverpool I mean he really, yeah. really celebrates it like he loves it yeah if that's fucking what do you call that boy the sign last year for it's not Musa. It's um, I can't remember. But if it's him and some other fella starting up front for them, or or we, we're not even having this conversation. It's just yeah, we're gonna go, we're gonna go out, we're gonna hammer them, and that and that's it. And there's no questions at it, no questions at all. So yeah, I think yeah, I, I would I would probably put Coutinho back into the midfield and play Sturridge. absolutely for this game. Absolutely for me, Chan would be the one to give away. I think Moreno, not so sure about. I think with Milner's intelligence to be able to pick. I don't think, I don't think Moreno's pace is is what's going to get us in behind this team. They're going to sit quite deep. I think Milner's intelligence is going to be more of an asset in trying to get in behind the team and get to the byline against Sunderland. But I, I, they just. Need you're right. They, they just don't have that, that calor of players that Southampton do. You know, Van Dyke, everybody's raving about Dan Van Dyke, and rightly so. I think he's, I think he's excellent. Excellent. Um, and you've got say Font there. He's just back from winning the Euros. So he's not bad either. And they've got internationals all over the pitch. Whereas the one guy that Sunderland were pinning their hopes on was this boy, LaSana Dia or the centre half. Oh, I know who you mean, but it's the one that Everton wanted, wasn't the one, it? Yeah, the one that Everton were looking at. From speaking to Everton fans, they're absolutely delighted looking at his form this year that that they didn't buy him because apparently it's fallen off a cliff. I, I think I think we'll end up comfortably beating them. And I'm hoping that, as, as it turned out in the Burnley game after that Southampton game, we'll, we'll learn a lot from that match and we'll really kick on from here. So,
0: and you mentioned there that you think um, <clears throat> you think it'll be a deeper a deeper Sunderland. Uh, you reckon that'll be the way Moyes sets up that they'll they'll just stick eight behind the ball kind of thing. Oh, he, he can't go
2: any other way. Surely not. Surely
1: that's my worry it's though. A, <laughs> if we're thinking uh, that uh, and it no, doesn't go that way,
2: it's not. It's it's and it, do you know what, Neil. Even if they do, happy days. Happy days. The best player they've got's that young fellow Watmore, that under twenty-one international. He's even a little bit of pace that might be able to do a bit of damage, but they're not gonna have the ball in our penalty area long enough for the likes of Defoe or an ECB to make an impact, I don't think. And we saw it we saw it at, at at Southampton. You know, Austin's a really good finish, but didn't have a sniff. Didn't have a sniff. And the one chance he did have was really well defended man on man. So I just they do not have they don't have enough as a squad. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd I'd have to go along
0: with that. They they man for man, they're pretty poor. Kone was was who you were you were talking about there. Dave. Shite, exactly the one. So yeah, I mean, he's uh, he was up for a big move to Everton and caused caused a lot of trouble with Sunderland. I think he handed in transfer requests and almost refused not to play. Moyes wasn't for letting him go, and he stayed. And yeah, he's not been great by by any account. So far this season, yeah. I mean, my thoughts were were sort of as a as a as I put the question to Neil in the beginning. I I do kind of see this as a as Liverpool being being the team that can go there and uh, go there, be at Anfield, but puncture their, their mini revival and and really sort of send them spinning back back down towards the earth. I hope I'm right. I hope I'm right. I I can see Liverpool really really doing a number on Sunderland and perhaps taking four or five past them. So yeah, since since we're here, Neil, how would you go on a prediction?
1: <laughs> if we play to, to our best capacity and they play to their best capacity, I think we'll win about six <laughs> 0 pretty much.
0: Nice work, nice work. Six 0 I like it. What about what about you, Dave? this is a this is a, a sure thing, or how are you saying it?
2: Uh, without sounding too, <laughs> this is going to sound so ridiculous, right? Without sounding too confident. If we get an early goal goal, it could be if we get an early goal, it could be a cricket score. I think. Genuinely. If we get the chances against them that we got against the likes of Watford, it could be eight, nine, ten. Absolutely. Predicting I'll say four one. Okay, you reckon you reckon Vic's gonna,
0: gonna get his name on the score sheet then? <laughs> Big Vic. It's it's inevitable, isn't it? Big, big, with a last minute consolation bundled in from a corner. That sounds about right. Yeah, it sounds about it sounds accurate enough. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd have to agree with you. I think the early goal is all important, really, isn't it? And I think that could, could determine really how it goes. I mean, I, I certainly can't see Liverpool losing. And why would you? You know, we haven't lost in, in so long, only, only once all season. So, yeah, that early goal is, is really where it's at. We'll
1: um, be a homecoming for mankuyu as well.
0: Just, just remember he's Oh in yeah, car. yeah, right enough. So he is. So he is. I mean, I was always a bit sad we would let him go. I
1: mean, no sense. I that one,
0: yeah, I always thought he, he he looked all right considering we had we had no cover there at that time. We had Glenn Johnson and, and Finnan, not Finnan.
1: <laughs>
0: What's his name? Why have I lost his name? Oh,
1: family. you know
0: that. Flanagan, Finnis Flanagan, yeah, Glenn Johnson and Flanagan. We had, and we, we got Manquillo in from Atletico Madrid, and Brendan lets him go. But sure. He big expectations, didn't he?
1: Yeah,
0: he did. He did, and he was he was tidy, but he was more of a more of a defensive left or right back, and he was uh, he was young, but yeah, Brendan sort of bombed him out pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, it reminded me of Martin Kelly when I saw him play right back. Not quite as athletic though. He's still only twenty-two. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's still young like he was dead young when he came to us I think he was only 19 or something when he came to us he was younger.
1: good
2: to table tennis as well well I mean that should have been enough to get him a get him a permanent deal on if, that's not, if that's not an indicator of your talent then I don't know what is
0: <laughs> that's it that's it and on and on Javier Mankio's table tennis skills I suppose we'll uh, we'll wrap that up for this week so all that remains for me to do is thank the listeners and thank my guests Neil, um, you got anything coming up or do you want to tell people where they can find you on Twitter or wherever you are on social media?
1: Uh, you can get me at the normal, uh, at Burple Man. Uh, nothing really going on, I don't do anything constructive with my time, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> this is about as constructive as it gets, so yeah, you can follow me on there, you can argue with me on there, you can tell me how I think Liverpool are terrible on there if you want
0: <laughs> do you fancy having an argument and a winch? Neil's definitely your man, so the so hit him up there. there.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, Dave, what about yourself? Where can where, where can people find you? Twitter at David eighty one. But honestly, don't worry about it. <laughs> and he's plugging anything? Any any pods you're listening to or whatever
2: this week? No, but I will. I'll plug I'll plug Leonard Cohen this week. poor Leonard Cohen. Died in his uh, sleep. A posthumous plug for, uh, for. terrible tragedy. So, yeah, I'll plug Leonard Cohen. Go and have a listen. It'll be worth your while. Nice work. Nice work. Um, you, you can follow me if
0: you like on Twitter at Neil1980. Yeah, that's really it at the moment for this week. I'm not up to much this week either. We'll have more coming next week. But that has been this week's edition of Copcast Podcast for Cop Left. Not a win, but a good performance and roll on Sunday so the Reds can win again.